Welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, the podcast looking at the global and future trends which could impact insurance and businesses in the next few decades. This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Insurance and I'm your host, Steph McGovern. Now, in previous episodes, we've covered topics like AI, cyber and sustainability. In this series, we'll be exploring business resilience, e-mobility and open finance. So please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Today, we're talking about underinsurance. Now, this isn't a new concept and has always been an issue for insurers, brokers and businesses of all sizes. But given the events of the last year, namely the pandemic and Brexit, businesses might be facing more underinsurance than ever before. Now, it goes without saying that businesses have had to adapt, whether it's for employees working from home or maybe delivering products or services in a different way. These changes may have new requirements for insurance coverage, which haven't been considered. So to discuss this topic in more detail, I'm joined by an expert panel. We have Simon Parrish, Head of SME Underwriting at Alliance UK, Graham Trudkill, Main Board Director at the British Insurance Brokers Association, and David Perry, Managing Director at the Federation of Small Businesses Insurance Service. Welcome to all of you. Uh, Simon, let me kick things off with you. So what exactly do we mean by underinsurance? Um, so it's quite a broad topic, actually, Steph. But fundamentally, insurance policies are there to protect businesses from the financial consequences of an unexpected loss. And most commonly, we talk about underinsurance as being a shortfall in the limit of cover compared to the policyholder's needs. Um, and that means that the insurer payout following a claim may not fully cover their losses. Um, so you know, as an example, you know, a policy may provide cover for up to £100,000 of stock. But if the policyholder actually has £200,000 in stock, um, then they'll be underinsured. Um, Graham, can I ask you? You know, what are the main reasons then for underinsurance? Is it is it about expense? Is it about not thinking and looking at what the risks are properly? There's a whole smorgasbord of reasons for for underinsurance. Right now, I would say COVID nineteen is one of the the primary factors. In that, two thirds of business businesses have changed their business model. So they've uh, in adapting to, to, to the way they have to trade in the future. So a, a gin distillery is now making hand sanitizer. Um, face-to-face businesses have now changed to trading online. So they completely changed what they do. But what we've identified is that only 10% of businesses have actually told their insurance broker, their insurance company. So there's a, already right now, there's a significant amount of underinsurance out there. We really need to get the message uh, to those small businesses and medium and larger businesses that they've got to get the right insurance program. So COVID is a big cause, but other causes are remembering to update your sums insured, your liability limits year on year. So when you when you buy that classic car or whatever it is uh, many years ago, that the value can change, uh, the value of your stock can change year on year. So do valuations on a regular basis. Otherwise, you're going to find you're going to fall behind uh, with your correct sums insured. And I'll give you one more. Also, I think there's always the message about, you know, save save costs on your insurance, shop around, et cetera, et cetera. And people are driven to look at the price when really it's the suitability of the cover, that the maximum indemnity limits, that the sums insured that are so important that people do get the right cover, but they can be so distracted by the price. And I think that's understandable because, you know, it's a very challenging economy at the moment. There's lots of issues that people need to look at. It's been a tough, tough year, uh, but small businesses in particular are very resilient 
you know, they, they adapt and they change and they do things differently in order to survive. And um, the last thing that you think of when you're in survival mode is, oh, I must tell my insurance broker uh, that I'm doing things differently. Uh, and for that reason, uh, the FSB, we're, we're doing lots of webinars and, and information type services just to remind people that if they're doing things that are different uh, during lockdown or whatever it is they might be doing, there are things that you need to think about and insurance is a very important one. I think um, at its heart, insurance is, is, is somewhat intangible. Um, essentially, customers are paying for the promise to pay um, when an event happens in the future that, that everybody hopes will never happen. Um, and so there, there is a little bit of a challenge there in, in, in clearly defining exactly um, the risks that a customer wants to insure and to what extent. Um, and I think that clarity of need from the customer is, is greatly helped by an informed conversation between the broker and the customer about the risks. One of the issues that, uh, that, that we're seeing at the moment is that lots of very small businesses are being encouraged to uh, go online, perhaps to uh, use facilities and services which uh, don't really provide any advice. The, the downside to, to that uh, is very much that it's sort of a, a, a choose-your-own, pick-and-mix type situation. And you can't expect uh, the the average business person, however big or small, to understand all of the necessary issues. And without advice in the first instance, uh, then they really are sort of being cast adrift. So, uh, you know, we would encourage businesses of any size to take advice. And that establishes the relationship with your broker or with your insurer in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, Simon, it's an obvious question, uh, but it's worth discussing about why it is so important for businesses to correctly insure themselves. The decision to purchase an insurance policy is, is you know, as we said earlier, to mitigate against the financial consequences of a loss. So in, in response to your question, if there is under insurance, then the uninsured portion of that loss will fall directly as a financial burden on the customer. Um, and that may be an exposure or a burden that the business can't tolerate. Um, so the consequences of underinsurance for a particular business may be that they can no longer trade um, in the worst instance. Well, we've seen a lot of stockpiling due to, to Brexit as companies were, were fearful they wouldn't be able to get the supply. So right now, um, there's a lot of stock uh, that uh, I think clients need to make sure they disclose and we make, make sure that we cover. But another issue is with liability insurance. A few years ago, something called the Ogden Personal Injury Discount Rate changed. And that meant that insurers have to pay much higher personal injury awards. And so to give you some idea, you know, a client might think, I'm going to buy £5 million public liability insurance. That's a massive amount, £5 million. No one's going to ever sue me for that much. But actually, we've seen a number of cases, you know, a, a, a typical incident in in the, in the workplace or in the factory or in the shop as someone walks in has caused uh, claims uh, which are going to need someone needing care for, for many, many years. And those claims can run to over £10 million, uh, even as high as £20 million. So, I think, uh, again, it's this challenge of uh, explaining to the customer, well, we recommend actually you buy the £10 million public liability, not the, not the lower £5 million that you could get, because these claims do happen. And so there's a, a really a conversation to have with clients about having those higher limits, because we're in a different place now. Awards are higher for, for liability claims than they, than they used to be a few years ago. Simon, can I ask you then about the, you know, we've talked about the impact on business, on the economy, but what about on the insurance industry? 
you know, what impact does underinsurance have on this, the sector? So, so I think it's one of, um, you know, potential confidence in the industry, but also a reputational one. We want to make sure that we're there for our customers in their time of need. So if sums insures are adequate, and if the businesses have insured against the risks that they choose to, then we can do that. Where a customer um, at the point of claim finds that they do not have an adequate amount of insurance, um, that can um, obviously be, be an, a disappointing outcome for them. So tackling this at the source and making sure that customers are really clear with what their needs are allows us to fulfill the contract in a way that's satisfactory for customers um, as well as insurers. Yeah. Graham, do you think part of the answer comes from sharing more information between businesses? Yeah, I think there's a lot um, that brokers can do to make businesses understand the risks and, and overcome under insurance. So I think you can you know, talk to the client about the value of having a, a professional valuation um, and then you know, to make sure you're starting at the right number. So as, you know, as the years go by, at least you've got the right starting point and you can be confident if you've had a valuation, then you can rely on that for the future. I think, again, assessing your limits of liability on a regular basis um, having a business continuity plan, so you know that you know if your printing machine is is flooded out, catches fire, need another one, you can absolutely go and um, you know you know where we can find another one, how long it's going to take to arrive, what it's going to cost. You can have all those plans there. Uh, ready in advance. So the more information you have in advance, the better. Look at identifying some gaps in the cover as well. You know, cyber risks are really growing now. Businesses need to think about that. So talk about those issues with your client. We probably as an industry need to explain the insurance is better. Um, I, I think that part of the, uh, the, the point that Simon was uh, making earlier around potential reputational damage is because we, we, we possibly use language that uh, people find difficult to understand. And as I said before, you, know, you, you do often get clients who, who think of insurance general insurance as an investment product. They'll say, I've been paying my premium for 20 years. And as soon as I make a claim, they tell me I'm underinsured. And, and it's trying to get them to understand that it's a sort of an annual pooling of risk. It, you're, not, you're not paying, it's not a, an endowment policy, if you like, uh, that we're looking at here. And I think we could, we could do much better at, at uh, being clearer in our terminology and explaining exactly what it is we do and what we cover. Do you think that's fair, Simon? It's about being clearer. Absolutely. Um, there have been a number of changes in, in policy structure and policy wordings in the last few years. Um, an objective is to simplify and to remove jargon. Um, you know, being really, really clear in our wording about what is covered and how the mechanisms of the sums insured operate, how the remedy of average um, you know, o- operates where there is an inadequacy of, of sums insured. And that's vital. And that's absolutely something that insurers should continue to be working towards. You know, we've mentioned there about perhaps um, making things clearer, but what else can the insurers do to help reduce underinsurance? So I think continuing to to be clear with the policy wordings is is a key part of that. I think conversations like the one we're having now, raising awareness of it, um, making sure that when customers are deciding what insurance to purchase, um, they understand the importance of, of getting the accurate sums insured and covering the risks that they um, would like to transfer to an insurer. So that, that's all vital. Um, moving forward, um, looking at data, there's more and more data now than, than ever before, and that's increasing at an exponential rate. So I think in the medium term and longer term, 
Um, insurers will be able to use that data in new ways and, and get a richer picture of the risk um, that each customer presents. Um, and I think that's going to allow us to innovate in products and perhaps slowly remove the dependency on some of these more traditional um, exposure measures, um, which are, are at the core of some of these underinsurance issues. And Graham, what else do you think brokers can do to reduce underinsurance? Well, um, Beepers just put together a new helpful guide for brokers to use with SME customers to help explain some of the complexities of, of insurance or why they need to, to have it. So something like uh, cyber insurance, for example, it's not just a, a check from your insurance company. It's support from professionals to help recover your data, help restore your reputation. And you get the check as well, of course, but other matters too. So Insurance offers more than just the, the, the financial resilience, the financial protection. Um, you know, when if your if your property is flooded, um, you will have experts sourcing uh, the, the new equipment for you, looking for alternative accommodation. But regarding underinsurance, I think um, there's a message that needs to filter down the, the, through the customer's firm as well, because the broker would perhaps typically speak to the financial director of the client. Uh, and talk to them about their stock. Um, but of course, then the FD needs to talk to his colleagues about actually stock taking and reporting the right stock back to, to the insurers and the brokers. So it's all about communication and understanding. Uh, and the more time we can spend with the, the clients, we can, more, we can get them to appreciate the, the right cover and the value of insurance and how ultimately it's given them such good protection if something happens to them. Um, I, th I think that uh, the awareness thing and the education thing is, is quite important because um, we find that most of the, the work that we do in terms of providing information to FSB members is around technical aspects of, of insurance. And we're quite amazed at the, the interaction, the engagement, the open rates that we get uh, to, to subjects that those of us in insurance might consider a quite boring subjects. But, but, you know, businesses out there want to understand them. And if you provide them with the information in a way that is easy to understand, they do read it and, and they are willing to take that advice. Yeah. Um, and I guess there's a question for everyone, just a, a bigger question on the how can the industry, do you think, support businesses during this period of, of so much economic uncertainty, Simon? I, th I think we've seen over the last year that, Insurers have shown themselves to be flexible in terms of um, changes to to business activity, particularly um, where those businesses have had to innovate and change, perhaps going online, perhaps moving to working from home models, um, all changes which are material to the risk. Um, and in the short term, insurers have flexed their product and underwriting appetites to accommodate that. You know, customers have seen that their insurers are being flexible and are supporting them. Um, Going forwards, as we move through into the new normal, um, I think it's important that insurers um, understand what the needs of customers will be in that new normal and evolve their products um, in order to ensure that they still deliver um, the same level of value uh, for the new normal um, as they do currently. It's interesting. We talk so much now about the new normal, isn't it? It's like we've, we've all had to adapt to so many different things. Um, David, what are your thoughts on that in terms of what the industry can do to support businesses through all of this economic uncertainty? I think that uh, what, what the industry can do is, is st stay engaged, understand quickly, which I think it, it has done, the way businesses have had to change and, and adapt to the, the different circumstances. And I, I agree with Simon 100%, actually, that um, insurers, most insurers, 
uh, have been very, very quick to um, adapt and be flexible uh, with their, their clients changing, changing risks. And Allianz in particular uh, have, uh, uh, have done a lot of work to, uh, to make sure that customers are uh, impacted as little as possible by the changes they've had to make. Yeah. And David, do you think there are any other ways that businesses could better protect themselves? Um, I think it's a basic checklist, to be honest with you. I mean, one of the things that we've found interesting uh, over uh, the the last few months is that we've gone from having um, half a dozen downloads of our business continuity planning toolkit a month to thousands. And and so so businesses are actually, you know, they're, they're, they're really thinking about what do I need to do to plan and uh, and so on. But it's the basic checklist, really, particularly with regard to underinsurance. You know, how much will it cost to rebuild your property? How much stock have you got in it? What do you do that's likely to uh, cause someone to make a claim with you, with you? And is your limit of indemnity high enough? What is your gross profit or revenue, depending on, on the basis? And, and are you insuring for the correct amount? It really is taking advice on those basics. So can I ask a bit about that in terms of whether you think there'll be any changes in the near future that could uh, help the issue of underinsurance. Yeah, I think it's uh, put a spotlight on the whole insurance industry having this pandemic. And we're looking at um, what clients want. So we've, we've done a survey with the uh, Federation of Small Businesses. We've done a survey with the Confederation of British Industry to see, for example, what insurance that they want for the pandemics of the future. We're hoping that there won't be any, but if there are, we want to be better prepared for them uh, if, if it happens again. So, but for something like that, uh, it's an enormous cost. It's difficult to model. It's difficult to price. So you might need state intervention to have a shared solution like we have for terrorism or flooding. Uh, and so really looking at new models, new ideas uh, to help clients in, in the future. Yeah. Do you think Insurance products will change, Simon, as the result of everything that's been going on. Um, I, I think they'll need to. Um, they need to change to the emerging needs. Um, so, cyber was one that's called out um, increasing working from home. Um, it would have been unthinkable, I think, at the start of last year for a, a large corporation to to not have um, multiple large offices. Um, but some businesses are, are considering just that. Um, you know, is there an insurance product to, to meet that particular need? And then in terms of the, the general trends on, on data, um, absolutely. I think if, if we're looking at new exposure measures and new ways of assessing and pricing risk, um, then the structure of products will need to evolve um, to, to meet those as well. Thank you very much. So massive thanks uh, to our guests on today's panel, uh, Simon Parrish from Allianz UK, Graham Trudgill, British Insurance Brokers Association and David Perry from the Federation of Small Businesses. Now, if you like the episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss any of the other episodes. We'd also love it if you could leave a review for us as well. That would be smashing. Uh, I'm Steph McGovern. Thanks for listening. 